Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bible Prophecy Radio. I have a question for you. I've never seen anybody address this before. Why should the church be in a position, and how would it get there, to not expect Jesus' return? Let's go to Matthew twenty four forty four. Here it says, and I'm reading this in the NLT, You must also be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. <laughs> Wait a minute. Isn't the church expecting to be raptured out of here, snatched away, gone? We're not even going to be here. Well, that's what the church is expecting. So this is exactly what Jesus is warning us against. Don't expect him to come until it's least expected. What do I think it means by that? What do you think Jesus was trying to say? How could the church ever find itself in a condition where it did not expect Jesus' return when everybody expects a pre-trib rapture? I'm going to shed some light on that, or perhaps something a little unexpected. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 31. This has two sentences in this verse. It says, Those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them. For this world, as we know it, will soon pass away. Let's flip on over to Luke 21, verse 10. We'll pick it up there. Well, actually, let me back up one more. Verse 9, And when you hear of wars and insurrections, don't panic. Yes, these things must take place first, but the end will not immediately follow. Then he added in verse 10, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and there will be famines and plague in many lands and there will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven i.e. the skies. But before all this occurs, there will be a time of the rapture, and all the Christians will be snatched away out of here. No, he didn't say that. He said there will be a time of great persecution. That's verse 12, Luke 21. But surely not the Christians. They're, they're better than most people, and they're going to be snatched away, right? Well, let's read on. You will be dragged. Now, he's talking to his disciples. Are we not the disciples of his disciples as Christians? Yes. You will be dragged into synagogues and prisons, you will stand trial before kings and governors because you are my followers. Are you expecting that? No, you're expecting to be raptured out of here if you're one of those faithful believers in the pre-trib rapture. 
But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. Verse 14, so don't worry in advance how you will answer the charges against you, for I will give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply or refute you. That's persuasiveness. That that truly is a gift from God. Even the closest to you, your parents, your brothers, relatives, and friends will betray you. Don't expect to be raptured away from that. He's saying not to be expecting to be away or raptured away from that. They will even kill some of you. Whoa, wait, there's more. And everyone will hate you because you are my followers, but not a hair of your head will perish. Now that's talking permanently in my view. By standing firm, you will win your lives. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you will know the time of its destruction has arrived. Then those in Israel must flee to the hills. Those in Jerusalem must get out, and those out in the country should not return to the city. For those will be days of God's vengeance, and the prophetic words of the scriptures will be fulfilled. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. For there will be disaster in the land and great anger against this people, that is, the Jews and Christians, seems to me. They will be killed by the sword or sent away as captives to all nations of the world. And Jerusalem will be trampled down by the Gentiles until the period of the Gentiles comes to an end. Well, who are the Gentiles? That would be everybody else but Jewish people. Trodden down, trampled down by the Gentiles. Now, who's on the Temple Mount right now? Jews and Muslims. Muslims, they're the Gentiles. The Jews are Jews, they're not Gentiles. And there will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And here on earth, the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas, and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. I want to read that in, uh, in the King James Version right there. What are the strange signs he's talking about in verse 25, Luke 21? Well, let's just take a look here. What would you consider a great sign? Something that everybody on planet Earth could see. Now, that would be a great sign, would it not? Well, let's see what uh, Matthew 24 has to say. Here it is in verse 22 of chapter 24 of Matthew. And except those days should be shortened... 
no one would survive. In the King James, it's no flesh would be saved alive, except the word alive isn't there. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. The chosen ones are the elect. Get what he says in verse 25. Behold, I have told you beforehand. Wherefore, if they say to you, Behold, he's in the desert, don't go out. Behold, he's in secret chambers, don't believe it. For as the lightning that comes out of the east and shines even to the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. The brightness of his coming will be seen by everybody alive on earth. Now that is a great sign. Verse 28, Wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Well, that would be Jesus. He's referring to himself as the carcass. And the eagles are those who eat of him, like those who participate in the Passover. They eat the bread and drink the cup, which represent his body and blood. Now, in verse 29, this is crucial to understand this verse. If you can understand that verse, verse 29, chapter 24 of Matthew, you will have the key that will unlock most of the other obscure prophecies in the Old Testament and in the New Here's what it says. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light. The stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Let's unpack this a little bit. Remember what we learned in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7 and verse 31, that this world, in its present form, is passing away. Okay, what I would take that to mean is the shape of things, mountains that crumble into gravel, rivers that dry up, water that goes away, and islands that disappear. The earth is going to be shaken so much that it will not look like it does today. Maps will have to be redrawn completely. It's going to be very different when this all shakes out. Now, what does he mean by saying the sun will be darkened? How could that be possible? Worldwide, the sun darkened? Well, here's my take on it, and my listeners have heard this before. I'll say it again and again and again because nobody else seems to be getting this. I don't understand that. We have a big problem in the Middle East that nobody seems to talk about. Maybe they're too scared to. I don't know. We've got oil-producing countries in Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, the United Arab Emirates, Oman, um, Iran, Iraq, Syria, Turkey, that whole region, and especially Israel. They have discovered more 
oil, and natural gas than any other place concentrated in the world. Let me say that a little better. Israel's got more oil than anybody. Israel's got more natural gas than anybody. And we always thought Saudi Arabia was the big cheese. And they are. They are the big, one of the big cheeses. But now, the United States is the largest producer in the world of oil. Did you know that? Well, anyway, that's not where the problem is. It's not in the United States. It's in Israel. It's in Israel. Why? Because we've got her surrounded by powerful enemies. And that little tiny country of only 8,000 square miles, which is minuscule by comparison to Saudi Arabia or Iran or Iraq or any other one of its enemies, but they all want that strategic strip. Why? Because the oil lanes pass through there to get to Europe and Russia and Kazakhstan and Turkmenistan and everywhere. Oil is flowing every day through there by the millions of gallons, the millions of barrelfuls, and the many foot-pounds of compression of natural gas. So what? Well, everybody around there wants to control that because they make so much money with it. And they're going to fight one another over it to see who's going to get it. That's the way I view the scriptures in relation to Israel. So what happens with that oil to make the sun darken? Remember the Gulf War? Remember those 800-plus oil wells that Saddam Hussein and his henchmen blew up and caused to you know, gain um, attention in the media because of the fires that came up, great big billows of smoke, great big plumes of black smoke filling the air. Red Adair and his uh, people put those fires out one by one. And that is a very difficult task. Well, let me ask you this. What would happen if they were not just blown up with dynamite, but blown up with nuclear weapons, hydrogen weapons? Do you know that some have calculated the kill radius for a hydrogen bomb to be up to 350 miles for one bomb? Are you kidding me? What if they nuke it out? What if Saudi Arabia and Iran, who do not get along, the Shiites and the Sunnis, the Sunnis are the Saudi Arabians and the Shiites are the Iranians, how in the world would that play out? They're volatile. And a lot of the oil is buried or not buried actually. In some places in Iraq, the oil is on top of the ground in pools, burbling up from the depths of the earth. 
and forming these lakes, these little lakes of oil. What if those got nuked on fire? Well, the answer to that is you or we, the earthlings, will have to deal with that fire in many places. If they dropped a hundred bombs on there, there's no putting that out. I'm telling you right now. There's no putting it out because they've got an endless fuel supply and it'll burn at thousands, if not millions of degrees. What'll that do to the air? Well, it's going to fill it with toxic black smoke that will fuse through nuclear fission to the air molecules and it will be black air from that point on. You can't breathe that. It's radioactive. You breathe one breath of that and you're done. You're history. And it's going to blanket the planet. That, in my view, is why the sun will be darkened and why the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven. Oh, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. We know that the sun is a star. The stars are fixed. They cannot fall. So why did Jesus say that? Why did he say the stars shall fall from heaven? Here's my answer. If you've ever camped out and looked up at the night sky, you have seen stars that travel across your point of view. If your eyesight's good enough, you can see these satellites that are going by. They look just like stars. There's 22,500 of them out there or more. How in the world would they not be seen? There's so much space junk out there now. Why, you can see them every every 10 minutes. You can see multiple uh, satellites at the same sitting well, they're all going to come down. Why? Why? Because the black smoke will not allow the retro rockets to be fired that keep them in orbit. It's going to block those signals. Now, there are, there are substations all around the world, in South Africa, in South America, in India, in America, it, they're all over the place. Huge um, radio telescopes mounted on railroad tracks and positioned with trains. Those suckers keep those satellites from falling. That's what keeps the Internet alive. That's how you hear my voice. Well, what happens to that when the sun is blocked? What happens to our food supply? What about our water? People are going to be in a very violent panic, you know, in great uh, terror because of all that smoke, and they will think that it's hopeless. There is nothing left that's going to keep them alive. That's why what follows is verse 30. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. 
And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. The reason that they're mourning is because they've lost someone they loved. They died. And it could be parents, it could be friends, it could be relatives, it could be children. Everybody on the planet will be in deep mourning. Here's how it puts it in the NLT. Verse 21 of chapter 24 of Matthew in the NLT. There will be greater anguish than at any time since the beginning of the world, and it never will be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. That's us. Then, if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it, for false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I've warned you about this ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert, don't bother to go out and look. Or look, he's hiding here, don't believe it. For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so will it be when the Son of Man comes. So before we're out of here, before we're raptured, before we go to meet Jesus, all this has to happen. The sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars or satellites will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now, what's that? It's the weather. There won't be any. There won't be any weather. No rain, no sunlight. You can't grow things that way, my friends. You can't grow your own food that way. There won't be electricity to grow them in your greenhouse. You can't have light that way. Well, I've got my generators, and i got plenty of gasoline. Well, eventually, that's going to run out. You can't prepare for this that way. You have to depend on God and what he says. He is the only one you should look to as your Savior, the only one who can rescue you and save you, period. You can't do it. I can't do it myself. Now, verse 30, And then at last... Not at first, at last, the sign of the Son of Man is coming, and it will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. Why? Because they're scared. They've lost people. They're running out of food if they haven't run out already. And they're in real serious jeopardy of losing their lives, and there's no hope left. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And then verse 31. And he will send out his angels with a mighty blast of a trumpet. Heard that lately? No. 
Well, then it's not time. The blast of a mighty trumpet, the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones, that is, his angels will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. All the angels will be gathered there too. Sounds to me like all the righteous angels. Don't expect to be raptured away from all the trouble. No, 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 no. No. Like it said in uh, chapter 24 of Matthew, verse 9, you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. You will be betrayed by family and friends. Well, that's what we should expect, not to be raptured away from all that. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree, verse 32. When its branches bud and the leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, know that his return is very near right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation, that is the generation that experiences all this, will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. In verse 37, When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up until the day Noah entered his ship. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That's the way it'll be when the Son of Man comes. Verse 42, So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, though, that if the homeowner knew exactly when the burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. And get verse 44, You must also be ready all the time, For the Son of Man is coming, or will come, when least expected. Today, Christians are deceived to think that he could come at any moment. No, I'm telling you no, because he told us no, that's not the way it is. He warned us not to be deceived. Verse 4, chapter 24, Matthew. Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. And then he starts unwrapping this whole thing and telling us about wars and rumors of wars, famines, earthquakes. Those were just the beginning of birth pains. We haven't seen anything yet. Uh, at least not as severe as it's going to get with the sun being darkened, the moon not giving its light, the stars falling from the sky, the powers of the heavens shaken, the sign of lightning. You know, the brightness of Jesus coming is going to be spectacular for all to see. That's when we should look up and expect him to come. So let's not be deceived. Let's not buy into this propaganda, which it it isn't even real. Just study the Word of God. Chapter 24 of Matthew is probably the best place to look. 
Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Please go to my website. I don't have a thing to sell there, um, but you can go to itellwhy.com. And you can read my books, you can hear the audios, you can watch the videos. It's there to build faith. So until next time, look up at the right time. Don't expect Jesus when he said he would come at his right timing, not ours. Take it easy. Have a good day. Thanks for tuning in.